are so excited. We have a special guest, uh, Matthew Connor, a founder and CEO of Cyberlinks. And so welcome, Matthew. I'm excited to have you on uh, on the show. Thanks, Ephraim. It's great to be on the show. Awesome. And so as always, anyone that uh, is joined, listening, listening in, we love, love active questions uh, for Matthew anything about the business, anything about cybersecurity or questions that you might have to help improve your cybersecurity. So throw those into the chat and we will make sure to add those as well. So Matthew, tell me a little bit about Cyberlinks and uh, what you guys do. I'd love to know a little more. Sure. Uh, so Cyberlinks, we are a full service IT and cybersecurity services company. So everything from your on the IT side, from your basic um, help de- IT help desk all the way up to virtual CIO services and everything in between. Then on the cybersecurity side, it's everything from internal external pen testing is 24-7 security operations center monitoring. Um, you know, you name it, uh, those um uh, risk assessments, the whole nine yards, whatever you need on on that side, we got you covered there as well. So we like to see ourselves as kind of a one-stop shop for both IT and cybersecurity. Um, yeah, that, that's Cyber, that's cool. Cyberlinks. Very cool. Yeah. When, when did you when did you get started, and, and and how did you get how did you get into this space? Sure. So we started about eleven years ago. Um, in a little town called Lexington, Virginia, which, you know, shout out to Lexington is modern day Mayberry. I mean, it is the safest town you will ever see. They've got um, the most well-funded small town police force, but the friendliest, you know, you know, police chief, you know, ever, you know, just actively engaged in the community. Everybody loves them. The whole place is just wild, Uh, you know, just super safe. So that was really nice. So we started there um, and then we've expanded into the DC area uh, a few years ago and now uh, nationwide. So, um, you know, Cyberlinks, I guess I got into it because way back in the day, I I grew up, my dad designed electronic circuit boards and he brought home a computer, an old IBM 8088. And if you wanted it to do anything, you had to program it in basic. So I started programming away and, you know, it didn't take very long. By the time I was 13, I was writing code for, you know, different clients of my dad's businesses. So nine nights and weekends growing up was, uh, was just that like all the time. So I got used to those 20 hour work days uh, really early on. And uh, then I joined the army to kind of escape all that hard work. Uh, True story. (laughs) And, uh, you know, I joined there, got into uh, army Intel. I learned Mandarin, Chinese and Spanish. And uh, then I got to use my kind of IT and cybersecurity. Well, before really cybersecurity, more the IT skills, um, you know, with the Intel uh, field. And we did some really cool stuff there that I, I'm not allowed to talk about, but it was, um, you know, just the most exciting and, and rewarding experience. And then after 10 years there, I got out and started my own uh, company. And here we are. So that's amazing. Yeah. yeah. Congratulations on all the success and kind of the roadmap to it. And so obviously you guys are, you're, you're very in, in a very unique position because as a consultant, as an MSP, MSSP, you've touched so many different clients, right? Yeah. So you get to see the the good, the bad, the ugly. When did when did cybersecurity really start becoming like a big deal from your perspective? Where it was more than just 
I mean, there's always been kind of viruses and, and then you had, you know, antivirus or endpoint protection. But when did it when did it kind of really start shifting? When was the first time you remember for one of your clients or maybe a company you worked for that that you started seeing things things were starting to change? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. And I think it's funny because, you know, it, it's not really uh, black and white. You know, it really did kind of go through a, a transition period. And while security used to be, you know, you have those, you know, security is a spectrum, right? On the one yeah. hand, you know, you've got it's secure if it's if it's unplugged. And if it's uh, if it's buried six feet underground and you beat it with a hammer, now it's secure. Nobody could possibly get the data off of it because it's okay, great. And then on the other end of the spectrum, you've got you know some old Windows XP machine that's connected to the internet and it's you know doesn't have any antivirus, no firewall, and it's just a you know a, a bloody mess, right? And so sure, so it's this spectrum, and I think you know people's understanding of that I think has grown a lot, and I'd say you know. I'd say in the last year or two, it, you know, really with around COVID, um, I think it, it became part of everybody's vocabulary. Thanks to ransomware. Um, you know, you know, COVID brought a lot of kind of benefits, I think, to, to, to businesses in one, it helped them understand that it can be provided remotely and people can work remotely more efficiently than, than we may have originally thought. And it might be, there might be benefits there, which they were very, you know, opposed to prior to that. Yeah. And then on the cybersecurity side, ransomware became so prevalent and, and such a part of, of the mainstream news that people now are like, Oh shit, you know, this is a real thing. And how do I protect my business? And I know you and I have struggled with, you know, businesses and trying to figure out the right thing to say to somebody be, to convince them that cybersecurity was important before it punched them in the face. Right. And, uh, but nobody really wants to hear it until they get that bloody nose. Then they want to talk cybersecurity. So it's, it, it I think really it was around COVID that I think that we saw the the biggest shift. It was starting to a little bit, you know, you rewind a couple of years, cybersecurity became the buzzword that was, you know, and people started to catch on, but I think it really hit kind of its peak around, you know, um, and I, I don't know that it's necessarily a peak, but I think COVID kind of launched it yeah, a lot. I think, yeah. I, I think that's when I saw it. Um, and I, I think it, it helped make it an easier conversation with business owners to say, hey, what are we doing to protect the company from ransomware? How do we protect your data? And prior to COVID, that was a harder conversation because they're like, well, I haven't done any, I haven't done anything about it in 10 years and I haven't been hit. So I like my odds of walking in the rain with this lightning rod and not getting hit by lightning. Well, that's true. You've done really well, but I wouldn't recommend continuing to walk with that lightning rod because you're going to get hit right it's only right. a matter of time um but so to answer your question i think that's that's about it yeah around yeah, COVID. that's a that's a good perspective i i i also kind of noticed that in the last couple of years i almost feel like when we were for, for our perspective when we were going to market for cybersecurity, that it was almost it almost felt like we were selling insurance in some ways yeah. that's how they viewed it they're like oh do i really need this insurance and now it's starting to become like a regular part of their business. It's not, it's, it's, it's not, it's not insurance. It's, it's actual, you know, building out a framework, technology, resources, compliance, policies. It's, it's, it's a component of the business to operate at this point. 
Hundred percent. And you guys started, you know, the cybersecurity side, like what five years ago, something like that. Yeah, we started in 2015. Um, oh, okay. And wow. then, yeah, we, that's really when we got started, and it it was mm-hmm. we were really excited when we were getting started because we felt, man, this is just going to explode, blow up. Mm-hmm. And obviously, cybersecurity was even a buzzword back then. Yep. But it it didn't it didn't go as fast as we thought. Now it's growing exponentially faster, but I think compliances have a big part of that as well. So are you seeing, you know, how are you seeing compliances? Oh, duty of, yeah. How's that? How's that changing things? hundred percent. I think the compliance, um, I think people, the, even their view of compliance has changed. I think the people used to see compliance as, as kind of, um, a necessary evil that, uh, and a burden. And now it's, it's more of, what I think its real intention is, and that is to help guide you down the path of of doing the right thing or be thinking about the right things and putting together a plan for that. Um, and so compliance is, I, I, I think it's the combination now, you know, be, between, you know, the the news from all of the, the bad actors, which is unfortunate, but it is, you know, uh, positive in getting people to think about cybersecurity and what they can do. And then compliance, you know, coming at and saying, Hey, look, you've got to be doing these things. And so it's coming together, I think for business owners. So we've got some government contractors, some, some people in the financial sector and, and we're starting to see, you know, their acceptance of, of compliance, their mindset is, is changing. It used just like with with cybersecurity, I mean that's what we're seeing. Um, how about you? Yeah, same. I mean, honestly, the same thing. And we're seeing organizations that are even not necessarily being audited by a particular compliance, but they're just being asked by customers about certain type of mm. compliances, and and it's it's moving them to action. So nice. I, I think it's encouraging in the sense that organizations, decision makers within organizations are, are doing things to protect themselves that otherwise mm-hmm. could, could lead to, to a massive disaster if they don't. So uh, absolutely. Yeah. It, was there any time like that you have, like, you know, when you say the word cybersecurity that you think of, you know, maybe a breach you dealt with or a hard lesson you guys had to learn or a client had to learn and you guys had to get involved that that was kind of a, you know, I don't want to say a gotcha moment, but like something that'll kind of just stick with you forever and kind of changed how you did things. Ooh, that's a good question. Um, you know, I think with, with cybersecurity, I, th- I think that the, the mistake that people make with cybersecurity is, is in the definition. I mean, right. I define cybersecurity as a process of securing all your, your, you know, digital or your electronic equipment. Right. And so people overlook some important aspects of that. You know, they they don't have to be, you know, Internet connected in order to be a cyber threat. Right. So you can have some device that then connects to your computer to feed it data and you think, oh, that's fine. But if that device is then, you know, infected and when you connect it to your 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 computer, it's now grant, you know, sending data to the bad guys. Well, that's a that's a, a cybersecurity issue. So I think. And the reason I, I talk about this is because that process 
we're never done with it. It's not like, so we do what we call a cyber stack. So every okay. year um, we do, so we have our, our IT services and then we have a bunch of, of cyber, you know, kind of a la carte cybersecurity services, but we also offer a cyber stack and it's the things that we think, you know, you should be doing now. Things like, you know, having a password manager, the, the 24 seven monitoring of your, of your devices and your accounts, things like that, that should be, be done. But, um, but people probably aren't doing it. They're not, you know, great. So if you're buying the cyber stack, now you're getting all those cybersecurity things that in 2023, so we, we number ours by the year. So we've got a 2023 cyber stack and that's actually different than our 2022 stack. And it comes from, from those lessons learned along the way, because the, the, it's not that the landscape is changing. The bad guys, yeah. you know, the bad actors are changing their tactics and we're seeing, and, and I know you've seen it in the last six months, the, the you know, how many, um, how advanced the threats have become so quickly. I mean, you take a look at it just in your email, you know, your inbox, right. Or your quarantined email, the, the language is so much better. The, you know, they, they look better. They, they're, they're legitimately solid attempts at screwing you over. Right. Yeah. So they're, they're getting really good at this. And, and so it's constantly changing. So, I mean, we've had some things, so let's get to specific. So I think that yeah. you have to stay on top of it. And, and I think that we try to educate our, our clients on this to say, Hey, look, we're protecting you now from what's, what's here today. And as things, you know, evolve, you know, what we're doing today obviously won't work in 10 years. Right. I mean, that's silly. So, you know, it might not even be, be the best thing to do in six months from now, right. Or a year. So we we stay on top of it, but I mean, some of the things that have changed just in the last six months, I mean, we've seen, um, uh, uh, how about a, a sim cloning? I couldn't believe this one. We, uh, you know, I don't know, if, you know, for those not familiar with sim cloning, yeah, it's like sim co cloning for someone that doesn't. Yeah, know it. it's like in the movies where you see somebody's cell phone and they sneak into the locker room and they put their phone there and blah, 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 and then they clone the guy's phone and they walk out and then like, oh now now we're getting all this. That's an actual thing, and that is something that. Now, maybe it doesn't actually go like they show on the movies because nothing's quite like that. It's not quite as slick and as fast and as easy. However, you you can actually clone somebody's SIM and be then receiving the calls and texts that they receive, just like you see on Mission Impossible and, and all these other movies. That's a real thing, but it was really limited to super high value targets because it's not easy to, to do. Um, you can do, you could, we've seen in, in the past a lot of, of, um, uh, valuable targets get there. Even um, Zuckerberg got his, you know, his um, stolen, his SIM, because you call up the phone company, you tell them a few things that you've gleaned from social media and from, from the dark web about them. You've convinced now Verizon or the, whoever the carrier is that you're now that person and you want your account transferred to this new SIM. Okay, Mr. Zuckerberg, here you go. Boom. And now it's going to this to the new SIM. So now with that very quickly, you can gain access to their account just by going, logging into their email, getting the SMS code and logging in. Okay. Well, that's kind of a form, but even, even scarier and, and more effective is the SIM cloning where now it's two SIMs working on the same network. Right. And so when they get that text, you're like, Oh, I didn't try to log into my email. So you don't think, think anything of it, but the bad guy, has now got the code to log into your your email and they do. We saw this with a you know with a 
a, you know, a relatively small private equity firm. And we were blown away um, that that actually happened. So um, I think, you know, the lesson learned there is you, you've got to be monitoring those accounts 24 seven to see it. Cause if you don't see it, you don't find out until it's too late after a ton of money is stolen after, you know, reputations are damaged. So that one really blew me away. I mean, we've got a few more examples like that, but I was like, really SIM cloning. Um, yep. So yeah, we, we, uh, ran into the first time that happened to, to a client that, that we were able to recognize not too long ago, same thing. Um, and the criminal, you know, whether they were really in Florida or used a VPN, it came out of Florida and they had multi-factor authentication turned on in the network and mm -hmm. there was a successful authentication into the network. And, you know, one of the first questions is like, how did they get in if we have, you know, multi-factor authentication turned on? And he had, he was doing some kind of SIM cloning. Um, we've also seen where... Uh, especially with Apple IDs, if they can get that Apple ID login, that's huge because uh, one of the, I guess one of the nice things Apple does with the iMessage is you can look at it on your laptop, on a yep. iPad, on a, you know, iPhone, any, any kind of device that you can okay. log in with the Apple ID. So if they get that credential, they now have access from another location. They just have to log in and they have all the text messages, all, all that kind of stuff and so we saw that kind of authentication as, as well and and right no really nothing would prevent that from nothing would stop and say oh this is a criminal and this is legitimate if the, if the password matches the multi-factor authentication goes through they're in the network yeah and you know i think i, I so interestingly and going back to the fact that you know cybersecurity is always you know changing, right? Um, I, I think a lot of people don't realize that Microsoft is the world's largest cybersecurity company. They they collect more data from around the world than anybody else. They see, you know, they've got godlike vision when it comes to, to you know, the, the, what they get to see and, and tweak. And the interesting part is, you know, I, I got to commend them on on actually improving how they're going about stuff versus just saying, "Hey, look, we've given you all these features," and and leaving it to you know you know for you to to kind of kind of deal with. And I say that because they're now you know they've improved their their MFA requirements, right? So now their basic isn't just "Yep, approve it." You know, it now pops up with the uh, with the code, so you've got to type in the number. Great, um, and you know, and going right back to Apple. You know, it was a lot easier, you know, when there was the, um, you know, the, the, the great fappening, right, where all these celebrities had their, their iCloud accounts broken into by a hacker and then, you know, the, all their private photos released on the dark web. Um, that Apple had made, you know, some great advancements very quickly to then, you know, implement really good, you know, MFA. And even then it was just the, a click to approve, but now it's type in the code. So before you might accidentally, you know, give somebody the, you know, a bad person access. Cause you're like, Oh, maybe it's just my iPad act, you know, notifying me again or something. Right. Um, but now you got to type in that code on the device. So, I mean, it, it, for both of those, you know, cybersecurity is such a big, it's, it's a team sport. You know, it really is. Nobody can, can do it alone. Nobody succeeds alone. And when it comes to cybersecurity, uh, the same is true. You know, it's a, yeah. it is a team sport for sure. So what, what do you guys, let's say, 
internal IT director wants to have a conversation with you, they're worried about something like sim cloning or, or, or some of the items we're talking about. What, what are, if you walk us through the stack, what are the things in the stack, you know, in 2023 that, that how are you combating this? What, what, are, what, what is CyberLink's doing for their customers to, to prevent this from happening? Sure. Um, so, <laughs> pardon me. So big one is, is, I wouldn't even say big one. So there are several. Uh, the password manager is, is a great one. So, you know, not only do we, is that, so it's one thing to offer a password manager, but it's another when you roll out that password manager, you've you imported everybody's passwords, you know, from their browsers and everything. Then you wipe out those passwords in the browsers. You, you know, you, you stop them from asking if they want to save passwords and, and you move people. Now you fully migrated them to using and we're, we, we use keeper security, um, mm -hmm. big fans of keeper, uh, great us based, you know, company. They were the first, uh, password manager on, on iOS, um, you know, they've got a great story. Um, and so we, we push up uh, Keeper uh, to our clients. And I think that's, you know, a great and You guys are actually helping implement that Keeper so that it's exactly. like, it's not like, oh, here's your login, start using it. It's like, we're going to, we're going to help make this, help you walk you guys through this transition. That's exactly it. So import it on, you know, get it on their phones, import everything, get it on their computers, import everything. So now it's okay, great. Now it's filling in their, their passwords on their browser without them having to worry about it and only having, you know, to worry about their one, you know, master password. Um, so yeah, it's implementing that because you can have all the right tools. I mean, what good is, is all the right surgical equipment in my hands? I'm not going to be able to, you know, do your open heart surgery. So I've got the right tools, but you know, if I don't right. know how to use them and they're not implemented right, I think I just killed somebody, right? It's not going to work out well. Yeah. Um, so, I you know, you've got to have the right tools. By the way, I, there's so many, so, so many companies and, and this, this, this happens in IT departments as well. They're so focused on the technology to, to protect the organization and and you know i like to lighten liken the illustration of you know say you're in taliban territory and you need to protect this village yeah you, you need weapons but you need personnel just as bad right one guy with no one knows how to use them. Weapons, or, or no guys and just a boatload of weapons is going to do absolutely zero and so you could put all the tools in but without having that full stack personnel that knows what they're doing those weapons are no good I love that analogy. All right, I'm going to steal that if you don't mind. <laughs> that it, is yeah. fantastic. Oh, yeah. totally. So we're we're big big supporters of that. I completely agree. I mean, we can give them all these, you know, the guns, but if if they don't know how to use them and they don't use them properly, they have no use. So, um, so rolling out that the password manager is really important. Um, so we also include in there the the 24/7 SOC monitoring, um, and that you know also uh, encompasses their uh, Microsoft 365 account as well as their endpoints. So all of that is monitored 24/7. I think you know as we've kind of discussed, I think that's a really important um, you know part of that because uh, without without that, the bad guys do their bit and then you find out you've been compromised when it's way too late. Um, so, and then we do, um, conditional access. So that comes as part of their, you know, it's a Microsoft, either they're already 
so it's a Microsoft kind of add-on, right? So it's Exchange Plan P1, right? Or you've got to have a Microsoft Business Pro or I think E3 or E5 license. So depending on the licensing, um, we either add it to their their existing license or we help implement that, that conditional access. And for those who aren't familiar, the conditional access is great because then you can say things like, hey, look, um, uh, let's say we're, we're a... Um, an Iowa-based uh, mortgage company. Well, none of our employees travel and nobody will be logging in anywhere but Iowa. So if there are any logins outside of Iowa, then no. If it, certainly none outside the U.S. because we'll never, right? Um, so we could block, uh, you know, foreign you know, logins even with MFA. Just like, nope, sorry, you're outside the U.S. It's not happening. So you can do stuff like that. And we, we tailor that to each company because every company is different. You know, we have companies where people travel constantly internationally. And so that becomes how do you how do you balance that and protect them? Um, so then the easy, you know, the obvious solution there is, well, you can only do you can only log in from a registered device when you're outside the U.S. And honestly, even inside the U.S., it's a great policy. Um, but again, every company is different. So, so the conditional access, it, the conditional access becomes really important. Um, yeah, that's an important part of of securing that Microsoft account. And I, and I think for a lot of of companies, that's their their weak point is that yeah. Microsoft account because if you've got you've got the end user who's there, they know their password. They're getting bombarded with all kinds of of legitimate looking emails they accidentally put in their stuff and if they don't have mfa set up on their account well now the bad guys are instantly in well the other thing we're now seeing is you know going kind of shout back to a previous question is those those um those phishing attacks now are getting really good to where the second you put in that 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 your information now you're you're taken to the authentication you know the mfa page and you get to authenticate in real time so that used to be things where it was like oh that's not going to happen for a while it's happening now so now if you get if you get fooled by the by the phishing email and you put in your credentials you're not going to get oh nothing that didn't work right when it was legitimately your password because that was you know yeah the 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 low end you know not so savvy uh, bad actor could put together that page. Now they're renting really sophisticated, you know, great looking um, uh, pages where in real time they you put in your your information. It's then putting it in at Microsoft. You then get your authenticator. And you dr you drop it in. They you've now authenticated the bad guy in real time. And so that's a so it's, it's a real you, yeah. It's not th this is I think important for people to realize because. Before it was like building a database. Now it's like actively logging into the account as you're being fooled. That's right, and and that's that's dangerous stuff because now they've got the you know full access to your account. And the other thing is making sure that people aren't running around with global admin privileges. So a lot of business owners, especially smaller business owners, they you know it's their company. They want to own and control their you know their infrastructure, and rightfully so. And so the mistake that they make is wanting, you know, having maybe, you know, set up a global admin account, you know, or given their, their email address, global admin privileges. Well, that's a mistake because if something happens, let's say that pass, that laptop gets stolen or they, their email gets compromised, they now have the keys to the kingdom. You know, you, the, the simple solution is you create another account. You don't even license it. It's your global admin account. So when you want to do stuff, it's, 
let's say it's, you know, Jane at companyx.com. She's the owner. Well, Jane admin at companyx.com is now her admin account. And she can still have ownership and control of her company, but never would anybody know that that's the name of her admin account because it's not out there. So it's those little things like that that really add up and, and help secure things. And, you know, people make those little mistakes of, oh, well, I'm the owner. I need to have that. Yeah, well, that's how you, that, that's how you get in trouble. So yeah. um, anyway, so that's yeah, great, that's, great those are some of those things. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think um, a lot, it's great for business owners to hear that because a lot of business owners think by you know, it's becoming less of a problem, but you still, like you said, you still see it all the time. You see organization, the, the owners, which is their email account, their primary account has full control of everything. And um, I don't even set, obviously, I don't set mine that way. Sometimes as a business owner, that can be frustrating. You're like, hey, why can't I access this SharePoint site page that we just created? Hey, what's going on, right? Because the permissions weren't set right. But it's really a protection and you can then still have an admin account that you never use except if you absolutely need to. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't have to have email capabilities or licensing, but it can give you all the control that you need. Um, this way the bad guys don't get access to it. So you can easily be logged into both of them and easily switch between them as the company owner. So um, I think, you know, I think there have been, we've seen too many small businesses kind of uh, held hostage by their kind of uh, either a bad IT uh, company or, you know, an internal IT person who, you know, fancies themselves irreplaceable and doesn't want to be, you know, let go. So they kind of hoard the, the keys to the kingdom. And so I think a lot of business owners struggle to, to manage that, those relationships and while maintaining control and, and ownership of their, their infrastructure. So for us, it's, it's all a matter of, you know, getting them set up in a secure way to where even as they, if they bring on, you know, new people or whatever, they still have that, okay, I'm in control of this. We have this. doesn't matter who comes and goes where, you know, we have it, but it's in a safe, safe manner. So that's kind of how we frame that for them to, you know, kind of protect them, keep the ownership and control of the organization without kind of, you know, sacrificing security for it. Uh, that's awesome. Yeah. How, how do you go about, so I guess from your perspective, my perspective, a lot of times, I don't know if convince is the right word, but uh, persuade, um, get a, a decision maker to see the importance. If you're an internal IT person, they think, oh, well, it's st you're still at the end of the day, you're selling them on an idea or to make room in the budget to do something that's good for the business that they might not even fully understand how, what, what's kind of your process for that? Yeah. So, you know, it really depends on, on what it is. So if you're saying things like, um, you know, let's say the cyber stack, for instance, you know, how do we, you know, convey the importance of, of this level of cybersecurity for their company? Um, I think the only way, first of all, it's, for a company that that is you know focused purely on on expenses and and reduce you know mitigating those expenses it, it becomes a a tough sell um but the the approach that we're taking now and we will see how this this plays out um is is one of of kind of teamwork 
and and if we you use their their kind of language and it's we how do you know these are our the company goals so we don't we don't ever kind of refer to ourselves as cyberlinks it's always we as the you know the you know they as their company so let you know let's say fit right so how do we do this you know as fit solutions our goal is this to you know and and then kind of letting them see that these are these are the the worries and asking them you know what they think we can do here are some options you know then and that we think are good but you know is this important how do we go about mitigating this um you know but i i you know i so it's really really tough um for a company that that's kind of anti that but I think given, so one of the, the tactics we're currently, you know, implementing to kind of help people help themselves, right. Um, help us help them is the news. You know, there, there are so many examples now in the news. So as they come up and we, we bring these up like, Hey, this just happened. Um, uh, I want to make sure that this doesn't happen to us because it's, it's actively going on. I want to implement this. I think it'd be great. Um, then they're like, great. Um, we've owned so far. We've seen massive success every time that the kind of grenades go off near them. So when it's a family member, another company that they that they've seen or know, it becomes real for them and they they act very quickly. So um, we're having some success with saying that, hey, look, this just happened. This is what we want to do. Um, and for us, we don't we we like to keep everything kind of short term, right? We don't do long term commitments. So we're saying, hey, look. Let's try this out. I think it's really important for the next, you know, three to six months um, until at least this stops. But then let's reevaluate. It's not like we have to buy this forever. You know, it's like a security system. If we feel comfortable after three to six months that we like it, or maybe it's garbage and we want to try something else. Cool. But I think this is going to help us keep the bad guys out for the next three to six months. It'll give us some, you know. So that's what we've been we've been going at, um, you know, recently. And I'd say. It's been better than just waiting for them to get punched in the face um, yeah. because I, I couldn't figure out for the life of me, you know, how do I persuade people, you know, before they get hit time and time again, it's not until they get hit that they're, that they're receptive. Um, but I think they are as a whole, they're coming around. And I think by, by kind of speaking to them as the part of the team how do we collectively do it? And I'm not trying to sell you something. I'm trying to keep you safe so I don't look, you know, look bad. And you don't get hurt because if you get hurt, I get hurt, right? So yeah. it's in our mutual, ben, you know, best interest to keep everybody safe here. Um, I don't know. How about you guys? I mean, what is yeah, that? I, mean, I think what what you said is 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 really uh, important. I think uh, breaching the sub subjects on a regular basis, at least on a quarterly basis. And also putting in writing. So I'm a big, I've, I've learned some lessons in my career um, where I didn't say something or I didn't, or I maybe did it, but it didn't stick or I didn't say it loud enough or I didn't put it in writing. Yeah. And then that kind of came to bite me. And so I, I feel it's a duty, a responsibility, an obligation for every person in IT or cybersecurity to point out to either their clients or their boss or whoever it is um, because they're being hired to protect the organization. That's right. Right. So even if they don't take the recommendation, the fact of making the recommendation on a regular basis 
is fulfilling your duty. So let's say, you know, there's a big risk because let's just say an organization doesn't have MFA buttoned up all the way. And there's some exceptions and this and that, and you know, it's a risk, you know, regularly bringing it up might wear them down to make a decision to actually, you know, implement the right thing. But if they don't, and then there's a data breach, you know, you're not being hung out to dry. You're like, Hey, yeah, remember we, we've talked about this literally every quarter and I put it on every single report that I've given to you since I've worked here. Right. Yeah. And so now you're going to not be the guy that has to get fired and a change made. You're like, this is the guy we should listen to. Let's finally listen to what he has to say and let him, you know, have a little more authority in this space. That's a really good point because, you know, I've got a lot of friends who have, you know, who like this strong arm tactic of saying, hey, look, this is what we're advising you to do. And I need you to sign off on this to say that you're you're not doing it right to kind of mitigate our liability because it's, I'm like, that's rough. I mean, yeah, I, a, I that, that is good. I've never I've never done it, but I've always wanted to do it. <laughs> <laughs> but I, but I, I do take the, the, yeah. the thing, putting it in writing yeah. and delivering it and making sure that the delivery is an email that's always, can, you know, that kind of thing. I think that's really smart. I think that's a, a good balance to say, hey, look, we're on the same side because I think the problem with that approach is is more of it's them versus you, uh, you know, and that's that's really what you're clearly saying. Now you're saying, hey, look, this is all on you. It's no longer an us team thing. And I don't really like that. And I could never really get behind it for that reason. But I think you, you strike a really good balance when you say, hey, look, um, you know, we're doing these quarterly assessments. I'm telling you every quarter, this is really what needs to be, you know, be done. Um, there's a, you're the, in the end of the day, you're the business owner and I'm here to support you to, and you know, we don't know all of the things that are going on with the business. So we can't make the decision for them. All we can do is advise what's best on the cyber, you know, on the security side and say, this is best on cybersecurity. But in terms of business, you know, decision, that's not our call to make. Right. So at the end of the day, to be a good team player, sometimes you got to take no, um, or not right now as an answer and say, okay, it's not right now. But I, you know, I've done my bit to tell you, you know, what needs to be done. And when it is time, we'll be ready, willing, and able, yeah. uh, you know, and eagerly implement it. So I, I really like that tactic. I think that's, that's a great idea. Um, now you guys do, you have like a formal uh, quarterly, um, you know, business review that you do, right? Or you call it yeah, a technology business formal, plan? We do it formally. It is, um, not only is it formal, it's it's in person if we can do it, if not on Zoom, but cameras on. We're going through a written document that so we don't we don't just verbalize the ideas. We actually put it on paper and they get a copy of that as well. And so I, I think it, you know, it ties back to, you know, an IT person or cybersecurity person might make a recommendation. They get a no. It might even be a really hard no. And then they're like, okay, it is what it is. And there's kind of a balance of like pushing it till you're alienating yourself from the decision yeah. makers. They should never feel that you're on your own agenda. They should always feel that you're there to support them. Yep. Uh, but bringing it up again, Hey, I know we talked about it. I know it's a no. I, 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 I just want to mention, we really should be doing cyber awareness training and you, you know, if something happened, 
I know you might be mad at me if I didn't make the recommendation. So I'm just going to make it one more time. And I hope that maybe we can consider it at some point, right? Yeah. Would you be opposed to talking about it again next quarter? Right. Yeah. So now you're, you're kind of getting in a rhythm. And after a while, they're like, man, this guy's really here looking out for my best interest. Yeah. He's, he's, he keeps talking about this thing. Like, I don't really want to do it, but I'm going to give it some consideration. Um, you know, and at the very least, it wasn't like one time. Now they completely forgot about it. And like, why did you never tell us uh, what one of the big things that I'm one of the big things where we get customers? And I, I bet this is probably the same for you is it's not always just bad support. It's often that there's not a proactive component of consulting yeah. happening with the, the, the organization that yeah. that is there. And, and so they're like, they could even be doing, I've seen scenarios where, where the company was doing a pretty good job, but they still lost the client because the client didn't feel like they were getting that, That's right. that, that executive level consulting guidance. Um, and, and that was kind of, uh, you know, a deal breaker for them. They needed yeah. to move the organization a certain way and they needed that level of uh, expertise. Yep. No, hundred percent. Um, it's funny because we got a client literally one of our, our most recent was for exactly that reason. And their current group was, was doing a really decent job for a long time on the it, you know, support side. And they just felt that they were not getting, you know, they weren't being proactive in, you know, in their support. So yes, they were giving support, but in terms of security, they didn't feel like they had a partner who was who was really on their side, and, and I think that balance is is so crucial for business, uh, for whether it's an employee, you know, internally or or an external partner, to really be a partner and be on their side, working towards their goals. Versus, it, it almost seems like a semantic difference, right? Where you say, "Well, I'm selling them a product," right? Oh, sure. At the end of the day, you're a separate business and you're selling products and services. And if you look at it purely that way, you could easily just become a, you know, kind of a, a bastard of an organization that only cares about money and you you pay your employees the absolute minimum, you charge everybody as much as you can, you provide as the least you can to maximize your profits. And who wants to do business with somebody like that or work for a business like that versus on the other end of that spectrum, being a true partner who who cares about, you know, the implementing the goals and, and executing for that business to help them succeed. Because when you do that, and that's your real focus, then the things that have to go into making the team successful, you know, happen when it's just a matter of, Hey, my goal is to sell you as much shit as I can sell you. Okay. You know what? I'm busy right now executing for my, my business. I'll come buy your wares later. If I, you know, get a chance. No, nobody wants yeah. to be sold anything. They want no. to buy what they need in order to succeed. They don't want to be sold crap. And I think a lot of businesses have a hard time, uh, seeing that, that difference. I know you, clearly you do you know something very similar where you're really focused on understanding their problems and solving their problems whether you get to help them or not you know whether you you know working with them or not which i think is the right focus and i think businesses really i think they they see that they see it from that first sales call all the way through to you know 10 years into the relationship they know that they've got a partner not somebody constantly selling them services and yeah. and products because i like uh, that yeah 
and, and this is, by the way, this is if there's an internal IT person not using, uh, you know, an MSSP, they can use this exact same strategy. If you're the IT manager and you want to go to IT director, IT director, you want to go to CIO, one of the best things that they could be doing to get themselves promoted is, you know, asking to have quarterly planning sessions with the executive team and not walking in with all your ideas ready to talk, putting it on paper, visually looking very nice, categorized in sections and help them manage their budget, help them manage their strategy, give them good, better, best options, and then support whatever they, you know, 100% support where they want to go. Even if it's not necessarily what you feel is best, but you've given the information, you've given the options, you help them understand the risk, and then you back the play. I mean, that's, that's honestly one of the best, best things internal or a consultant, anyone could be doing uh, for decision-making of a business. Now that is excellent advice. And, and I think all too often people get caught up, you know, and I love that you brought it back to that individual because it's no different, whether you're that individual or you're an, an, another, a whole nother company, it's that focus on helping the company execute. If that's your goal and you're there to, to help the team win, people see that. If your goal is to go in and do a, the least amount possible to get the most pay possible, well, then you, you're no better than that company that that is just trying to maximize their profit and doesn't give a crap about you know the you know their the, who they're selling it to. Yeah. That's not the way to do it. Go in, be a team player. Give them you know, and you know, I love their um your idea. Go in with the report and give them the options and back the play. Yeah, sage advice, man. Man, well, Matthew, thank you so much for coming on the Breach Report. I think we covered Thanks a lot for having of me. topics. Yeah, we uh, got some really, really good uh, advice that that organizations could uh, um, implement, and 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 we got a good implementer uh, here with uh, CyberLink. So, thanks, <laughs> thanks uh, for visiting and, and and coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. This was great. Awesome, I appreciate, appreciate it. it, and we'll be in contact soon. And thank you for everyone for tuning in. And jump on, uh, join us for the next Breach Report. We're excited to go over more topics that can help impact your business for the better and protect from a cyber breach.